Hi, True Believers. This is Stan Lee, and I want to be sure to see you at my Los Angeles Super Comic Con on October 28th to 30th. And be sure to use code MELTDOWN for 12% off your tickets. Excelsior! Welcome to the History of the Batman with London, brought to you by Meltdown Comics and Collectibles in Hollywood, California. This is where we relive the defining moments of one of the most iconic figures of art and literature, the Batman. My name is Mason Booker, and as always, I am joined by London from the shadows. Maybe he'll say something, maybe he won't, we never know. We are joined by Shadow Adam. History of the Batman is produced and engineered by me, Mason Booker, and now co-host, London. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm, I, yeah, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. good. I've been, yes, I've been a little busy. Um, What's been going on? No, I've, it's actually about uh, Kamikaze, which is now Stanley's Stan Los Angeles Comic Con, which is awesome. That that's the official con for LA, my cool. home. So cool. I'm totally I'm a fan. psyched I about was that. A little, <laughs> I was a little annoyed that I had to go in and change the names of all of my headers on all of no, my documents, no. but that's okay. No, it's fine. And I mean, but they have to change everything too. But now all all of the logos and website, yeah. and everything's there. So if you do have to use a banner or a logo, they they did that for you so nicely. Yes, and um, and yeah, um, and you have a promo code for I your do. listeners. Yes, if you're going to be in the Los Angeles area, October 28th through the 30th, if you use the promo code Batman, you get 12 percent off of your purchase tickets, Dope. which is awesome. And any discount is great. And of course, if you want to use another one meltdown comics has its own promo code if you use the code meltdown meltdown you get a discount as well but can you stack them no okay. you can only use one so if for some reason i was like wait a minute no 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 you can't 22 percent off <laughs> you can't use all of them but either way you get a discount yeah, yeah. so you should do that so if you're definitely. gonna go and buy tickets and, and and you should come down so you can see london yeah i'm actually going to be doing several panels throughout four, the weekend four panels. yeah which is going to be great and um some of the guests that have already been announced so i can tell you i am doing i am hosting Hosting the Voices of DC Comics panel, which will Ooh. include um, Hinden Walsh, who is the voice of Starfire on Teen Titans, Teen Titans Go! And she's so also awesome. the voice of Harley Quinn on the TV show The Batman and Batman Assault on Arkham. So, so good! Um, Greg Sipes, who is the voice of Beast Boy on Teen Titans and Titans Go! Excellent. And also, th- so those two will be on the voice panel. I can't really announce the other people on that panel <gasps> just can't? yet. Oh. But... Suspense. More people will be on that panel. I I'll am just tell doing... you, it's, it's well worth <laughs> attending this panel. No, no. Like, get, all... get in line ahead of yeah, time. Yeah, it's going to be so fun and amazing. And I'm doing a Wonder Woman 75th anniversary panel, which has Susan Eisenberg, who yeah. was a guest on the show, who is the voice of Wonder Woman in Justice League so and Justice League Unlimited. And I have more guests for that panel that I will announce within the next week or two. 
and I am doing a uh, Harley Quinn panel with uh, the awesome power team of Amanda Conner and Jimmy Palmiotti, who is the artist and writer of Harley Quinn since 2011. They've been doing it for about five years, and that's one of the most popular books, and they are amazing, and I've seen them on panel before, so it'll be really fun. They love interacting with the audience, so if you come, you can definitely talk to them and ask them anything and that'll be a really fun panel as well and then dun, 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 I'm doing a panel with Kevin Conroy ah! who is the voice of Batman so yes I am, I am doing a spotlight with Kevin Conroy so I'm going to be discussing his all you 20- haters <laughs> all you haters you hear that you hear what's going on there <laughs> One on one, yeah. In so person. it's it's. I mean, the panels are going to Kevin be Conroy. amazing. The real Kevin Conroy, yes, the, <laughs> not the, the real not Kevin the Conroy, fake one. yes. And he so will be good. signing all weekend, so he'll be there all weekend. So if you want to meet Kevin Conroy, you should come, and you can meet him, and then come to the panel, and we're just going to be talking about his Batman and why his Batman is pretty much amazing is, is the best yes so i will be there all weekend the meltdown podcast network will be there all weekend so you should definitely come and join us it'll be really fun <laughs> yeah amazing yeah no yeah this is amazing london who do we have today <laughs> this week we have a very special guest he is an award-winning graphic designer and writer and illustrator of Batman comics and the design of Batman collected books such as Batmanga, The Secret History of Batman Japan. We have today with us Chip Kidd. So, hello, Chip. Hello, Chip. <laughs> Hi there. Hi hey. there. Uh, I, sh- I should just note for the record that um, right now I'm in the, the last hour of uh, New York Comic Con. Yes. Uh, 2016. <laughs> Oh yeah, so, <laughs> you're you're on the east so coast. So I'm watching all. I'm, I'm literally watching, like Batman and Superman shaking hands. And somebody, <laughs> wow. somebody actually made the new Flash costume from the Justice League movie. It's like wow, it's not even going to be out for a year. I know, and it's really that was good fast. Too. It's, yeah, it's, it's dedication. Cosplay is always amazing at con. So has the has your experience at this year's New York Comic Con been been good? What are some of the highlights, real quick? Well, um, it has been very good. Uh, several of the highlights have been that I commissioned a, a Batman drawing from Bill Sienkiewicz. Oh wow. Uh, uh, and I commissioned it in San Diego last July, okay. and I picked it up <laughs> yesterday. And it's quite it's quite amazing. Um, he posted it on my Facebook page, so your your listeners can go and look at it there. It's okay, incredible. It's, it's basically Kevich's version of uh, the Dark Knight and Carrie Kelly Robin. Oh, that's awesome. That does sound great. Yeah, nice. Okay, well, that I'm I'm glad that you're having fun at New York Comic Con. I've seen all the updates and everything. We are still, of course, here in L.A., uh, but New York Comic Con seems fantastic this year. Um, so let's just jump right into it. I, I first just wanted to ask, how did you become involved in graphic design for, for book jackets? I mean, you haven't just done comics. You've done everything and worked with hundreds of people and have done beautiful covers and book jackets yeah how did you get into that (laughs) well uh i i studied graphic design at penn state university uh 1982 to 1986 and 
when I graduated, I had a portfolio and really the only plan I had was I wanted to, you know, go to New York city and get a job doing graphic design. And other than that, um, I was, you know, open to whatever kind of graphic design. And so long story short, the first substantial job I was offered was as assistant to the art director at Knopf Publishing's part of Random House. And it wasn't what I really had, you know, in mind, but I just thought, well, all right, I'll give it a shot and see, uh, how it goes and yesterday i passed the 30 year mark there wow that's amazing that's congratulations amazing. congratulations <laughs> man so um and so anyway so i just started to work i uh and i enjoyed it and um you know of course entry level you're you're not really designing right away but Eventually, you know, after about a year and a half, two years, I was signing. And, and it, was, it was like a pivotal moment in the history of the company because there, there was a changing of the guard of the editor-in-chief, a guy named Sonny Maida. And so I was, I was getting really interesting books to work on after that, like right away. And um, one of which was the novel called Jurassic Park. Um, and so my reputation sort of started to develop. And then I believe it was 1994, uh, the then president of DC Comics, Jeanette Kahn, uh, was asking somebody, they, they wanted a book cover designer because they were going to publish their first uh, novel uh, just a text novel words uh, about batman by a guy named andrew back <laughs> and and they the the art director there at the time or the editor of that book within dc contacted me and that was my entrance into uh the comic book world and uh you know it's sort of gone on from there ever since so yeah all the all the stuff I do for DC Comics, it's all freelance work. Um, right. Oh, so you're not um, you're not employed. You're you're freelance. Well, I, it, it's complicated. <laughs> uh, I, I'm employed at at Random House. Uh, that is that is technically my day job. Gotcha. But, it, but I do some freelance for you know for DC and. Uh, and, I, and then in some cases, I was able to blend the two. The two. So, Fat Manga, for example, uh, the his Secret History of Batman in Japan, that was a Pantheon publication. Gotcha. Right. Yeah. So, so I was able to bring that into, that. I was able to make that part of my day job. Uh, ditto a book I did on the DC Comics art of Alex Ross called Mythology. Mythology. Cool. Which is a beautiful <laughs> book, by the way. <laughs> nice. Yeah, it was pretty hard to go wrong with him. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's amazing. So I, I mean, when I think about your your book jackets and your covers, I of course think about covers of comic books because I think it's important to draw in either a new or familiar reader into the story. The cover a lot of times is the thing that that's the first thing you see. It has to be engaging. Do you have that particular mindset when you're creating covers, book jackets for both novels and even Batman books? Well, uh, comic book covers are different mm-hmm. by the nature of their, their, their monthly publication. Right. So, whereas the cover of a novel needs to be more sort of standalone, mm-hmm. its own thing, if that makes any sense. Yes, like, it does. <laughs> but there's, there's certain sensibilities that, that, that are the same that link them. Like when I, I did... DC, I did the um, cover design for All Star Superman and All Star Batman and yes. Robin the Black Wonder. <laughs> Which and I love those. so <laughs> we knew, you know, that it was a limited run and it's going to be 12 issues of each. Although I guess the Batman one, I guess, ended it around. Exactly. Uh, and I, I sort of find, I, I sort of go, I tend to go more simple, uh, more minimalist. Mm-hmm. Because usually what you have is, for on comic book covers, you have, you know, a logo that someone spent, you know, a lot of time and effort on, or whatever it is, that sort of like is... Oh, like a piece of usually like a piece of art in and of itself, and then it sort of slaps onto another piece of art, which is usually by somebody else, uh, that somebody also spent a lot of time with. So what, what you what you get a lot of the time is something that ends up looking very busy. Now, you know, I'm speaking in in, in, gener- in generalities here. Uh, right. You know, yes. There, there, there's lots of exceptions to this where where that the design is very understated in a, in a pleasant way. Uh, I mean, I'm trying to think. You know, I mean, look at DT3. Uh, yes. Really, really nice. Really nice. Uh, the typography just kind of like, it, it's exactly what it needs to be. I, I don't know who uh, designed them, but um, uh, very impressive to me. Uh, because it's, it's you know, it's, the project itself is going to get so much attention, and the art is so strong that the you know the logo can just kind of like sit back and just be let let the art literally be the hero. Um, mm-hmm. So you know, I think those are just some of my thoughts about how cover design works. Um, you know, books and novels. Uh, and all of the above, at this point, you know, the design needs to work if it's uh, small. Right. Uh, but that was uh, a lesson I learned in design school before the computer ever came along. <laughs> and why 
<clears throat> people do what are called thumbnail sketches because it's, the basic tenet of graphic design is if it looks too small, it's going to look fantastic when you blow it up. Right. Um, and I just think in general that's true. And now, of course, we blow things up by double-clicking on them. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, but it, you know, it has to work small first. Yeah, it's a good baseline to go by. Right, definitely. Um, and we'll get into just a little bit about your, your all-star um, covers, but I just kind of wanted to first ask you just about Batman. I mean, when did your love for Batman begin? Because from what I've read and seen, you are as big of a Batman fan as we are. <laughs> right. <laughs> so well, how... I, how I, 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 well, not knowing at all how old you are, and I'm not going to ask you, but um, <laughs> London plays 16 to 24 out here in L.A. Well, here's an interesting thing. I mean, at this point, you know, Batman, 75 years old, basically, mm-hmm. um, it becomes a very generational thing. So Definitely. I'm I'm 52. I mm-hmm. was two years old when the Batman uh, TV show with Adam West debuted on ABC, and I had a brother who was two years older than me, so I wanted to do everything that he was doing and like everything that he liked. He was really into the Batman TV show, and we would sit and watch it, and and that really what started it, and then um, the comic book sort of accompanied that, and this was all, you know, 66, 67, 68, and, and uh, it was a real rebirth for the character. Um, right. And then, then it all sort of went from there, and I I just stayed a fan. Uh, I was never not a fan after that, but it was it's very, very interesting to see how the characters evolved. Um, and I, I mean, I was talking to somebody uh, yesterday, because it, it's interesting, because I, I have you know, lots of friends who are not in the comic book world at all, or mm-hmm. the world, or, or any of it. And so it's interesting to try and explain things to them. And I was talking to one of them last night, you know, because day three of the show, and, you know, your head is buzzing with all this stuff. And I said, you know, the interesting thing about Batman and, and that whole mythology is that it's adapted to to the cultural zeitgeist in in ways that other characters just don't. And I think the two best recent examples uh, are Tarzan and the Lone Ranger. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they they you know capital T keep trying to make those characters relevant to now, and it just doesn't work. Right. Um, whereas with Batman, when you do it right, it does. And and for the most part, it's it, you know it's done right. Whether it's Bruce Timm doing the animated series, Mike Miller doing Dark Knight, Chris Nolan doing Dark Knight, um, you know, up to Ben Affleck, uh, it, it, it it continues to resonate. Definitely, and I and I 
completely agree with you about the evolution of Batman over the 75 plus years. He's his visual evolution is just extraordinary, and I would assume it would be almost a graphic designer's dream. And what are your yeah, yeah. <laughs> what are your thoughts on crafting Batman, whether it's in story or through logo or his actual costume design? I'm, I mean, I'm sure there's so much you can work with and so much you can do. How do you decide depending on what you're doing to craft Batman? Well, I mean, it's a good question. I mean, uh, I, you know, I, I tell people that part of why Batman is so popular is that Batman, the character itself, is, is really great design. Yes. Um, and you can sort of vary the costume endlessly, but but stick to the basics, and it and it works as a as an, as an icon. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I've done so many different kinds of Batman projects at this point. Um, it all depends on what the project is to determine when you say crafting uh, to determine how any given work is going to look. I mean, obviously, Batman in Japan, that was all pre-existing artwork. I mean, that wasn't... Right, exactly. New artwork for that. Right. I was just using it in a different way. Um, but, you know, my graphic novel, Batman, Death by Design, that's yes. much more um, of having to figure out from a blank page what's going to happen. Yes, Dave uh, Taylor's work is brilliant in that. The whole story, both his illustrations and then your writing, they do come together and they give this, the, the particular tone, which I did want to talk to you about since we're talking about Death by Design. I mean, during, when Death by Design came out, there was um, Nolan's The Dark Knight Rises was coming out and then other Batman works were out, including... Uh, Jeff John's uh, Batman Earth One, and how did you decide to kind of put Batman in this almost uh, late 30s, early 40s right. kind of noir-type setting when all of these other Batmans around you are, are starkingly different? So ha- right. having to craft, so how did you craft Batman to fit that storyline? Well, um, it, it was this kind of like dream green job in a lot of ways because uh, that whole project was born out of an event that I did with Neil Gaiman at, at the 92nd Street Y and uh, I was asked to interview him on stage uh, to, for the celebration of the 25th anniversary of Sandman and so at the time he was writing a Batman story for Detective like number 600 or something like that. I, I, I probably have the, num- the number wrong. But it was, <laughs> you know, seminal... One of the big so, issues. One of the big... Yes. One of the big <laughs> and he was starting to talk about the story he was writing, which sounded really, really great. And I'm sort of, you know, like geeking out and blah, blah, blah. And then uh, afterwards, uh, backstage, Dan DeVito, the, the editor-in-chief of, of uh, DC Comics, came up to me and said, you know, I didn't realize you were 
such a Batman fan, you should do a Batman graphic novel for us. And I said, you know, you really shouldn't say that unless you actually mean it. (laughs) I really need you to see your follow-up and and let's do it. And so it was kind of amazing because all of a sudden, as as huge a Batman fan as I am, it wasn't like I had some, you know, story burning within me for decades that I was just dying to tell. Right. Uh, it, it, the whole thing became its own kind of mind problem. And, you know, knowing what, as much about the character as I do, like, what kind of void would there be to fill? Because so much, so much has been done. Right. And so, you know, I started, I sort of think that, you know, the title came first, um, which, is, which is not the way you're supposed to do it. Um, <laughs> but I just, no one had used that title. It seemed perfectly tailored to me and what I do. Right. And uh, so we had that. And then, um, you know, I started thinking about, you know, when I was a kid, I always had, you know, I would see Metropolis by Chris Lang mm-hmm. and think, oh, my God, can you imagine if there was like a Batman movie that looked like that? <laughs> and... So, you know, that was that was one, you know, at least in our direction that I have been longing to see. Um, and it just sort of went on from there. My editor on the book was Mark Chiarello, who did an amazing job. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he hooked me up with, uh, with Dave Taylor, and um, it took Dave three years to draw it. Uh, and you can see every minute of that on, on the page. Right. That's unusual, isn't it, to take that long? I mean, look, it all, it all depends. I mean, it, we thought we could get it done in two, and it took another, it took a third for him to just, you know, finish, finish to be the art. Um, well, you can definitely so, you see know, that in the in in the work. I mean, all his yeah, penciling yeah. is incredible. Well, yeah. well worth it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then he sort of quote digitally inked it um, oh. to maintain the pencil quality. But then you know the the, the way he uses light, it's really just quite extraordinary. Right. But I think you know it's it's certainly different than doing a monthly book, obviously. Um, yes. Because that's really brutal. I mean, this was its own thing. And I think they announced it, but they, didn't, they don't schedule it until they know when they can actually, when it can actually be delivered. And even then, like you see what happens with some kinds of monthly books, it's like it's just, the, the schedule is so crushing that, you know, the, the, the books get delayed and what have you. Um, right. So, uh, you know, but everybody was very patient. We all thought it was worth waiting for. And- <laughs> no, it seems like it, it definitely was. And like you said, I mean, the title is, is so fitting because with 
all of the architectural design and kind of how the book is based around the city and the architect and everything, it definitely illustrates even more how Batman's, his actual design is so important to, I think, permeating the feel of the character, I think, more than right. than others. Um, so yeah. I'm sure just trying to design that and just give the reader that feel of Batman, no matter what era or, or anything like that. That's really cool. We should take a break real quick. We're going to go and uh, hit up uh, some some sponsors here. If anybody would like to be a commercial sponsor for this show and hit your core demographic of thousands of listeners, please contact me, Mason at MelComics.com. We'd love to have you help keep this show going because we need sponsors. We're back. Yes, hey. and we are discussing uh, Chip Kid's Batman and his graphic design on this amazing character. Awesome. Let's go. Woo. So I also wanted to talk to you a little bit about, since we're talking about different Batmans in different eras, I want to talk to you about uh, Batman manga and how you kind of got into that when you were watching the 66 show and I mean I, I've also heard that you're a huge collector of Batman memorabilia and things of that nature um, was did you collect anything that was like Batman manga that was Batman from Japan how did that kind of come about and how did that turn into your uh, history of Batman in Japan well um the his, I mean, the history is kind of complicated, but it goes back to the early 1990s and the amazing Batman Year One artist, David Mazzucchelli. Yes. So he had um, done a cartoonist fellowship in Tokyo for a year, and then he and then he, he returned, and I think we were having dinner one night or something like that, and he said, you know, there were original Japanese Batman comic mm-hmm. in the 60s when the TV show came out. And he, he said, you know, I hadn't seen any, but people kept telling me about them. And he said the, the artist was a guy who co-created a character named Ace Man. Mm-hmm. And that was amazing to me because when I was a kid, I used to watch Ace Man cartoons on uh, cable television. Mm-hmm. Uh they, they were imported, uh, you know, into one of these, like, kitty shows, uh, Ultraman and, and uh, uh, Astro Boy. And, and so, so there was, so that kind of, like, lit the spark. And then it wasn't actually until eBay came along that I was able to even see or find any of this stuff. Uh, in the meantime, I formed a friendship with a with a co-collector in Chicago named Saul Harris, who had much better and stronger ties to uh, Japanese contacts for vintage manga than I did. And so we sort of, you know, became friends, and the project started to, to grow. And, and then once we had enough of this, you know, vintage manga material that we thought we could make a substantial book, and that was also with, you know, the toys and the, and the uh, memorabilia and paper goods and all this other stuff. Uh, I put together a 
no rule book way to do this, but you, you know, more is always better than less. And so I put maybe a 40 page visual proposal together and I got an audience with Paul Levitt, who was the then uh, president of CP. Yes. Yes. We, and, we know Paul. And, <laughs> yeah. He, he's great. And, I'll never forget that meeting. I, you know, I, I showed, he sat and looked at all of this, and he, he basically said, I've never seen any of this before, which is really saying something because he knows everything. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> and he, so he said, uh, we need to get this vetted by our legal department. <laughs> uh, and, and then once we do that, if that all, you know, pans out, and it did, and then did they still own the rights to it, um, then that, that you can do your book. And so it was, it was really, really quite amazing. And then um, I, through, through just a totally random contact, I found somebody who found somebody who could interview the artist, Jiro Kawada, uh, who was still alive living north of Tokyo. Uh, and so I got somebody to interview him um, for the book. And it, it, it sort of went on from, from there. But yeah, it was really... All of these um, books, it, I know it makes me sound like some kind of Pollyanna or something, but <laughs> I don't do any of these projects unless I 100% love them. Right. And... and I mean, you know, I'm certainly, believe it or not, I'm certainly not doing it for the money. Um, <laughs> uh, not that, well, anyway, it, you know, something like that, man, I mean, like, nobody's going to get rich off of that. Uh, it, what, it, what it was for me as a fan was, it was like a, it was like doing a pop cultural, uh, I mean, it's cross-cultural, obviously. But it was like the scavenger hunt. It's like the ultimate scavenger hunt of, you know, I kept, I, when I was doing interviews for it at the time, I kept saying, it's like, it's like being a Beatles fan and discovering that they were, they just, they recorded an album in Tokyo in the 60s and nobody, and then never released it. Right. Because um, that's what this really was like. You know, these, these stories had been printed one time and, and, Totally ephemeral uh, comic book anthologies for Japanese kids, and frankly, the fad in Japan, see, the Batman fad in Japan in '66, '67 burned out even quicker than it did in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, once it did, that was kind of the end of it. And you know, nobody had reprinted them, and there were some bootleg reprints, but um, very, very poor quality. Uh, et cetera, et cetera. And so now, you know, finally, I think what were like three years ago, uh, they reprinted all of the Kawada Batman stuff, you know, three small black and white volumes. Yes. Is, is that available here in the U.S. at all? Yes. yes, it is. Okay, cool. And you can buy it here or even digitally. Oh, I, hey, um, oh. I know the DC Comics app, if oh, you're interested, yeah. has it. I have all the volumes, so cool. if you want to read it, which I have it, and they're amazing stories. I mean, and it's 
it's so fascinating that it was so hot during the bat mania, I suppose, of the 60s. And then it went away, but it, it really was, it almost was like a lost art form of Batman for decades. Yeah. And so when it yeah. kind of emerged back, I know everyone was as surprised as Paul Levitz or, or anybody because they ha- these are great stories and the art is amazing too. And it's just, it's it's crazy how it just kind of disappeared or it, did, it almost yeah. didn't exist. So right. definitely, yeah. yeah. So the Secret History of Batman in Japan is is a great book, and the way that you designed it is amazing as well. Um, when you had to kind of craft it together, I know you put the proposal. Then once everything got into motion, uh, how did you want to present this lost art form? Because it is something completely new to a large audience, most people. So what was your process in terms of trying to really convey this? moment in Batman's history within the Japanese culture and designing the book? Well, my, my art direction for stuff like this, uh, including the, my most recent book on Charles Schultz and the art of peanuts called Only What's Necessary is I, I, I take, I'm very artifact-oriented. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'm trying to create an experience for the reader so they feel like they're Gauging through the actual comic as it as it really looks, as opposed to you know scanning it in and quote cleaning it up or just turning it into black and white line art. But I really you know I want to get the text through the paper. Uh, the the printing frankly wasn't so great on a lot of that, but it but it it some of it resembles you know Japanese woodblock print, and it's really kind of wonderful. Uh, for that reason. So, you know, and then, but if you're going to photograph a toy or, or a robot or whatever, um, then that becomes a bit of a different, you know, set of, of problems. You know, like, how do we light it? What color background do we put on it? Um, or is it just black? Or is it just white behind it? Etc. You know, it all depends on what the piece is. Right. Um, but yeah, it's, but it's, it's, and I work with this photographer named Jeff Spear, and I've worked with him for about 25 years now, and uh, he's, he's an amazing guy. And, but, you know, if you look at the mythology book, you know, I, I use the same method, but, but it looks much different because the artists are different. Yes, of course, which the mythology is a beautiful book. And I wanted to quickly ask you about that since mythology has all of the amazing iconic figures in, in, in DC Comics. Did any of that, their their history, their context, their background, when you were de- designing the book, did that any of that come into play or was it just mostly the aesthetic of Alex Ross's work? Well, it's... Like to me, what I try to like the that book to me is almost a biography of Alex through told by the artwork. Yes. Um. And so I, you know, yes, of course, it's an art book, but I, it's really a story about how do you how do you become an artist? How do you? Uh, you know, your, your passion for this stuff since you were a little kid and how, and how do you 
you know, it, 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 it's just it's interesting. Like I could go through that book, and there there's like this seminal moment where it's like, okay, now he's become Alex Rob, and I think it was the the cover that he did for a novelization of the Doomsday story, of the Superman Doomsday story. Yes. And it's like, ah, okay, that's when he figured out his style. Um, and, and, you know, it's, it's fascinating to me. It's fascinating to me. But, but it's, it's, it's about telling a story about the creative process, what it means to be an artist. He does everything by hand. There's no computer work. Um, you know, I, 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 I think it's, it's quite amazing. No, definitely that whole, I mean, that book and everything that you've put together to really capture, at least for your Batman books, the essence of Batman or the characters has been amazing. I'm a fan of your black and white story. And I also quickly just wanted to note, um, you redid uh, the first story for Detective Comics 27 for the 75th anniversary. And Mm -hmm. so what was your experience recreating that first story? Batman story. <laughs> well, that was um, for, for that. I definitely have Brad Meltzer. Yes. Thank. Yes. He's a he's a friend, and I've known him forever. Uh, and I actually designed the first two covers, the covers of his first two novels, um, uh, the Tenth Justice, and I forget what the second one was called. But that goes way way back, and then. Um, so we had this sort of like professional friendship, and then then we found out that we were both comic book geeks. <laughs> and uh, anyway, I think because they they got Brad to rewrite the case of the Chemical Syndicate so that it actually makes sense. And and then I think it was his idea of like to, to get me to. Rebreak it down from the original art with the new dialogue, with the, with the new text. And it, it was it was a really interesting, really interesting project. No, I mean I I personally enjoyed it, especially all of the the uh, covers that came out that time to celebrate Batman's seventy five years because that's that's incredible seventy five years. And I think with the projects you've done with Batman within DC, it definitely focused on Batman as a, like I said, it's a graphic designer's dream. I think the way that Batman looks, it really shows the how Batman is the character itself, his personality, his persona, his character. And I think that graphic design with any character is important. And I believe you do an amazing job with that. And I've enjoyed your your work on Batman and just your graphic design as a whole. <laughs> Well, thank you, thank you. And um, so I appreciate your interest. And the, what I'll leave you with is, I don't know if you're aware of this um, project, like if, if you look at the St. Kevin's DC for me, um, and you mentioned my Batman Black and White story. Yes. Uh, I've had the session for about four years of buying up blank sketch variants of Batman Black and White number one. Okay. And then getting getting different artists to draw on them. Oh, wow. Uh, so, Kevin, I finally got Sinkevich, Kevin McGuire, I just picked up here at the convention. Um, it's been really interesting. And what I'm, what I'm 
<clears throat> going to quote do with them eventually is collect them in a book to benefit the comic book legal defense fund. Oh, that's amazing! That's so cool, man. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And it, it, I'm not sure when it's going to happen. Hopefully, next spring or summer. Okay. But when it when it does, it's going to be the most amazing collection of Batman drawings you've ever seen. Wow. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to that. Um, Okay, so what are you working on right now? Is there anything you want to share, any projects, particular things people want to look out? I know you just talked about your Batman Black and White cover series, but is there anything else that you're doing Uh, right now? Well, what I'm working on, putting the finishing touches on right now, uh, is uh, 10 years ago, I put out a monograph of my work called Book One, uh, and it covers my work from two, uh, 1986 to 2006. And so a year from now, book two will come out. And it uh, covers my work from 2007 to 2017. Oh, uh, great. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and Neil Gaiman is one of the introductions. Nice. Nice. That's really cool. And so, yeah, that's, that's, what, I'm, that's what I'm doing now. Uh, and, you know, also starting the next 30 years at Knopf Random House. Right. Yes. <laughs> yes, good times. Definitely. So where can everyone find you to keep um, updated on that project and everything else that you're doing? I, I just do three main things. Okay. I have, I, I have a, a website, which is just com. I do Facebook and I do Twitter. And for now, that, that, that's what I keep up with. Okay, that, so, that's uh, perfect. That's plenty. <laughs> That's you, you know, anybody can follow me there and see what's going on. And I try to be good about posting stuff every couple of days. That's better uh, than me. Yeah, I've been tweeting <laughs> out the Batman covers. It's fun. Okay, great. I I can't wait to uh, see that. That's amazing that you're doing that collection. So. First of all, thank you so much, uh, Chip Kid, for coming on and talking about uh, your love of Batman. I always love when creators are fans of the figures that they work with. That's always amazing to me because you give more heart into your work, I think, if you enjoy it. Just like you said, you don't take on a project unless you really love it, which I definitely admire and appreciate. So thank you for talking. Well, thank you. Thank you. I I appreciate your appreciation. I've been very lucky <laughs> to be able to do what, I, what I'm doing. Yes. So I hope you have a great rest of the day at New York Comic Con. And it seems like you survived the crazy, hectic week there. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks again. Thank you. Okay. Uh, all right. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. That was great. Yes, uh, that was amazing talking to him. Yeah, I have been what a fan. What a cool guy! Yes, so cool. And I have been a fan of his work for a very long time, especially his history of of Batman in Japan. I have read that book, and I was introduced through that to read the actual Batman manga, and it's incredible how much is there, and then it just almost vanished 
and yeah, the there. This is it's, this is fascinating yes, to me. Yes, it like, totally I, this is. is. I didn't even really know about it, but now I really want to read it. No, check definitely. It out. And although we had talked, you're going to come talk about it. Yes, we. Yes, we're going to talk about it. Um, especially this, so that would be perfect for your yes, anime attic. Yes, which definitely. Is so a we small comeback. <laughs> <laughs> I hope. So you could definitely talk about that, and then all of the other Gotham Knight and everything. Oh yeah, and so good. We didn't mention it while we were on the phone with him, but. For the launching of his uh, Batmanga book, he did it here at Meltdown Comics. What up? So if you do come to Meltdown Comics, there is a huge poster of the Batmanga on the wall yeah. above the toy collection. Check so it out. Chip Kid is a friend of Meltdown, and we appreciate you coming on the show. And it really opened up how... and. I what I've always believed that the way Batman looks, his aesthetic, his design really captures his character, I think, more than others. And so I always appreciate when graphic designers such as Chip Kid come in and they try to craft this character who has evolved so much and show all of the different sides of Batman. It's really yeah. cool. I think it's really cool. His silhouette is so definitive. Yes. And that goes back to what uh Chip Kid was saying about the th- the thumbnail, like if you can nail the shape in the thumbnail, then mm-hmm. when you blow up, it's awesome. And I right. was like, you're right. It's a totally. I'm looking at his silhouette right now. Yes. It's totally definitive. Definitely. So that's great. So yes, this was great. So yes, of course, follow him on Twitter and and Facebook and his website chipkid.com. And of course, if you guys want to follow me and for where and, can they find you? Well, first of all, you can always contact me at hisshowsbatman at gmail.com. If you have any questions or comments about this interview or requests for future episodes or people you want to hear on the show, you can always email me. You can become a Gothamite and follow on Instagram at Instagram.com slash History of the Batman on Twitter at Hist of the Batman and on Facebook at History of the Batman. So yes, you can always contact me, DM me, anything just to talk, to great feedback about the show, which I appreciate everyone who listens each week. I love the feedback and people saying, oh, they love this episode. They love this about it. And I appreciate the the listeners. I yeah, really do. and I'm going to reach out again. You know, we need some reviews on iTunes, guys. Yeah. I'd love some So fresh, far, some, some have been coming blood. in, and I appreciate your guys' feedback. They were great. Yes, so thank you. So, yes, please on iTunes, if you go, and if you haven't subscribed already, you should oh, definitely, yeah, subscribe. definitely subscribe. Yes, because we always have amazing topics and then guests, and it's always fun. If you love Batman, this is the podcast to listen. Yeah, and the <laughs> and the reviews and the subscriptions are how um, the the word spreads. That's how that's how iTunes knows to to put us out there so that the 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 word spreads that we exist. Right. So yes. So please subscribe, um, rate if you like this, give it five stars, or put a review. Just like I said, I love feedback. I always want to keep improving the show for you guys since you're the listener. So let me know your thoughts about the episodes. And like we've mentioned in a previous episode, uh, from where I think this is our 60th episode, I believe. 
I think we're in episode. I think so. I think I this think is so. 60. And if it's not, we're, we're right we're, there. We're close. We're close. We're, if it's not the 60th. We're definitely close. We're close. And so 60 episodes in the show has definitely shaped into. Oh, my its, God. I think you're right. We are. Oh, my God. I'm pretty sure this is the 60th episode, which is crazy. Right. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Manu, yes, it is. We should have we should have mentioned that at the beginning of the no, show. No. Oh, it's fine. It's fine. But, oh yes, God. 60 episodes in it, which is amazing. And Longest running show on the network. What's up? Oh, that's awesome. So, so yes, so it's good. it definitely has improved and progressed over time. I sound much different from my number my first that's episode true. to that's the true. 60th. I don't know. I think anyone check out her interview in the beginning <laughs> versus this one. You're right. like you're freaking Barbara Walters. <laughs> that's what's going on. I mean, I definitely am trying to improve. So I do appreciate all the success. Feedback. Yes, and, success. and so yes, 60, and I hope we go for another 60. Easily. Yes. That's it. So, yes, of course, thank you for everyone for listening and tuning in. Thank you. (laughs) London. Peace, love, and Batman. 